welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Sunday Deep Dive episode. We have Brad Freeman on the show as always. You're coming from the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. So we're going real remote today. I have Ryan here as always, but Brad, how are we doing? You ready to talk about it? Got to correct you. A little Michigan history. It is the northern tip of the Lower Peninsula. Oh, jeez. We're going to talk about Michigan, my man. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Um, I I didn't know my Michigan geography. (laughs) But yeah, uh, vacation's going well and, and... for a stock market nerd like myself, this is actually an enjoyable activity for my vacation, believe it or not. So excited to talk about Roku. All right. And then Ryan, do you want to introduce Roku? But first, we should talk about potential multi-baggers, our flagship sponsor. It started from our friend, Chris, who's a pseudonym on Twitter, is at From Value, and that's a pseudonym on Seeking Alpha as well. He started this as a side project while he was a teacher in yeah. Europe. I don't want to give away his location or anything like that. But now it's morphed into his full-time job. He's dedicating hours and hours each week. You can see the updates coming in basically on a daily basis and you know commentary updates on the stock they're doing. But I should go over the service quick. So the aim of potential multi-baggers is to find stocks that can go up 10x over the next 10 years or about 26% per year. Not a guarantee. It's potential multi-baggers. So you're looking for those high growth names. But his track record is sound. He picked Shopify at $77, C Limited at $54, Cloudflare at $39. The list goes on and on. And if you want to check out potential multi-baggers and become a multi, you can go to Seeking Alpha and look for From Growth to Value. Google it and you'll find it there or go to at From Value, F-R-O-M-D-A-L-U-E on Twitter. Um, Ryan, you want to introduce Roku? Yeah, and I'll just add before that uh kind of tack on to the sponsorship there it's validation that this happened so naturally that this service came about so naturally because it's less about him just trying to start a service and more people asking for it because Mm -hmm. he was i mean this was an alternative or a supplement to his actual job initially um so yeah just kind of a testament to the service but yeah feel free to check it out i'll get into roku most of you, if you are in the investing world or on FinTwit, have probably heard of Roku, or if you're a consumer that has a TV, you've probably heard about it. Um, but they are a leading TV streaming platform, and it is an end-to-end solution for connected TV, and I'll talk about why that is. But basically, users can buy a Roku TV, um, or they can buy a Roku stick, which is sort of their hardware uh, or their player sales. Um, and the player stick just plugs into an HDMI port and a traditional TV. And then the Roku TV, I believe, is manufactured and supplied by TCL over in Japan. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong. I think they have other partners as well. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's not them making those. Yeah. And they're really one of the low cost providers um, as far as TV goes. But then the, the staple of both players, whether it's the Roku TV or the Roku stick, is the Roku operating system. This is kind of what it's more known for. Um, and so this is sort of an iPhone-like layout where you can access all your apps. It's very intuitive. 
Um, it's based, I think it's three, three apps across. You can scroll down, go app by app. And these are the OTT media apps. So think Disney plus Netflix, ESPN, YouTube, prime video. There's thousands to choose from. You can obviously just add them to your home screen. If you want, you can take them out. It's really easy. Um, but it does generate revenue from the hardware. I think it might be negative gross margins. On the uh, hardware. I saw on the last 10 Q only 3% gross profit contribution or gross profit growth from that. Okay. So it's negligible on a gross profit side. Yeah. And there was a time when they were selling it for uh, um, small gross profit, but at this point they're basically just trying to be the low cost provider. Um, but then it generates the bulk, if not all of its operating income from what it categorizes as platform revenue. So this includes, and this is where it gets a little bit complicated, but includes a lot of different services or digital offerings within the platform revenue. So there's advertising sales, and related services, subscription and transaction uh, revenue sharing agreements, and then the sale of premium subscription services. And then there's also this sale of branded channel buttons on the remote, which I'll talk about in the second it's half. It's huge business. No, that, we're, we're debating that, that, that does get grouped into platform revenue, um, not yeah. hardware revenue. And then there's licensing arrangements with service operators, but I'll talk about the ad. So the revenue sharing, it's think of it kind of like the iPhone, uh, software or the iPhone revenue from software. Um, am I saying that services revenue? Maybe is what they, yeah, they, have, it as. Sure. they, they have a take rate. Yeah. So they, I believe Roku has a 20% take rate on either subscriptions or SVOD. So uh, video on demand, thank you, purchase a movie on prime video, something like that. Uh, but the advertising side, and this is a little bit complicated, but Deval Kotecha, who's a friend of the show has done a, uh, did a thread on it this week. Um, and there's basically two ways if you're running an ad supported channel on Roku. So whether it's like CBS, ABC, there's plenty of ad supported channels. Uh, you can choose between two types of ad servicing systems. Um, and I, I believe it's just two types and it's either inventory split or Roku sales representation program. I recommend going to his thread and looking at it. Um, cause it's a little complicated, the backend workings of it, but either way, Roku is getting a share of that ad spend within the ad supported channels. Does that kind of make sense? Yep, that makes sense. And if you want to get the full overview, definitely go follow Duvall. You can understand how this business works rather quickly by yeah. either talking with him or reading his threads. So. Yeah, and they don't break out the platform revenue into its subsection. So you don't know which is from sharing agreements, which is from ads. But obviously, the section of the whole is growing a lot. And I'll get into the history. It's actually kind of a fascinating story how it started. So it was founded in 2002 by Anthony Wood after his company Replay TV was acquired by Sonic Blue. Um, and so Replay TV was his company for his invention, which he actually invented the DVR. Fascinating story. Um, and so that was his company. He sold it. And then he started Roku, which is, I believe, Japanese for the number six because um, it was the sixth company he started. And early on, it became a part of Netflix. This part's kind of muddled. I'm not sure exactly how it went, but they were a part of Netflix. Anthony Wood became a vice president of Netflix. And then he actually, because Netflix was thinking of doing a player, but they just wanted to do it through Roku. Then Roku ended up spinning out. Netflix funded them with $6 million. I'm not sure what that's turned into today. Not sure if they sold that stake, but then the company, uh, they obviously became their own uh, company. And in 2017, they went public and they've made several acquisitions along the way. So they've done demand side platforms as far as advertisements. And then they also acquired Quibi's content for hundred million recently. Um, other notable moments would probably be the content or the licensing disputes. So several companies have held out on putting their app on Roku, probably over the revenue sharing agreements. 
the two that come to mind are HBO Max and Google with YouTube TV. And they're still holding out currently. I don't I, think so. I'm pretty sure that got YouTube, resolved. I've seen, they pulled something from mine. You, I, it was I pulled, but I think it got resolved. I thought HBO was good and then YouTube, there were still some issues, but I could yeah, be Yeah, YouTube, I have some, I have a black, on my Roku, I have a blank thing that says Google's not supporting this right now. I don't really know what it is. I have YouTube, but it's something that Google wants. Okay. Um, I thought that one got resolved, but I know HBO Max did get resolved. So I guess that's yeah. kind of, if you're an OTT media provider, it's, it's hard to neglect Roku uh, since they make up so much. I think 38% of smart TVs sold in the US are Roku TVs. Uh, so obviously it makes up a huge part of the market and it's kind of a testament to the value of their platform. Yeah, they've been growing market share versus the Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV. Uh, and really, I mean, that's those are the obvious competitors and I probably should have put it in this industry and landscape and competition thing. But I, it's honestly... I don't know. I, I really don't see them as a threat. Uh, Amazon Fire TV and Apple TV, maybe they are, but really Roku's shown that they can defeat them in getting, you know, users on there. So that's not something, you know, maybe you should consider that, but that's not something, I don't know, maybe that was something you worry about in 2017, but not today. But I'll, I'll go into the industry. So Roku itself estimates that TV advertising market to be about $70 billion. So that's part of the business that they're going after. And then the global smart TV market is now estimated to be around 20 billion or sorry, $200 billion. So clearly, you know, rapid growing large industry, there's tons of dollars to be had out there, but there are some large competitors. So I really put, because they have, you know, Roku is, they have the smart TV players, they have advertising, and then they basically have the operating system or the app store. So they're competing in a, a few different buckets and I kind of put it into two different categories and maybe we can discuss others. So one would be other video advertising platforms and mainly I'd say YouTube, Linear, Facebook, and TikTok in and of itself. Like you might not think that they're competitors to Roku, but the video advertising market as a whole, there's only so many dollars being spent. If they're going to YouTube and Facebook, they're not going to Roku. So I consider them to be pretty big competitors of there. And then non-advertising video services, I don't, they're not competitors because like Netflix, HBO, Disney Plus are working with Roku. But if, well, you know, Roku like, channel, they're kind of on the OTT side, they're a bit. I guess they're competing there too. Yes. So, you know, you might think, all right, well, the growth of these are good for Roku. But if all of these companies or services are ad free, and all of the watch hours flow to these services, then that's potentially leaving less advertising dollars in TV. So I kind of, you know, there's a give or take, it might not be zero sum, but it'll be interesting to see how the market develops. If it goes more and more ad free, like it has been the last five years, that could be some competitive, competitive dynamics that hurt Roku. But on the flip side, if we see more ad, you know, supported services that can benefit Roku as well. I guess. Yeah, and I'm not sure. They might have a different agreement with Netflix given that they were sort of born out of them or got funding from them. But yeah, it's unknown. It's, it's unknown. worth mentioning that they gain revenue either way, whether it's ad-supported or subscription or transaction-based. Uh, they get a take rate on that too. Potentially, if you sign up through Roku. Um, so I don't think Netflix is really paying them that much because it was basically a lot of existing accounts. So if you had yeah. it like before you got a Roku TV and you just sign in, I don't think Roku is getting any dollars there. Yeah. yeah. All right, Brad, you want to hit management and ownership? 
Yeah, uh, Anthony Wood, um, as we've kind of highlighted before, there are very few bigger names in the CTV slash programmatic ad or, or streaming service landscape. Um, maybe Jeff Green of Trade Desk and Reed Hastings of Netflix, so you kind of lump in. Um, but he, I mean, he's a superstar. We talked about VP of Connected TV at Netflix. We talked about inventing the DVR. I mean, talk about relevant experience. Um, founding Replay TV, founded several other successful companies. He's the current board chairman of BrightSign which is a digital signage company. So he's got extensive experience. He's been successful everywhere he's gone. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing bad to say about him at all. Uh, CFO is Steve Loudon. Sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, but he's the former Expedia treasury or treasurer and, and he's a senior VP. He was a senior VP there. He's a current advisory board member at Silicon Valley Bank. He was a manager and analyst at Walt Disney, he consulted at McKinsey and he graduated from Harvard Business School. So casual there. Um, ownership. So this is a little off. There, there's this dual class or dual share class structure that that makes um, the, the sources that I generally like to use a little bit inaccurate. So Yahoo, Coifin, and all that. So I, I went into um, their their investor relations page to, to try and find some primary stuff, and they don't disclose a ton of it. Um, what they do tell us is class B shares equal ten votes per class A share. Um, and then, so again, Yahoo and Coifin all say that Anthony Wood owns nothing. Um, but if you look in their, in their, in the primary sources that that Roku's publishing, Wood owns 13% of the outstanding class A and B shares, but he owns over 50% of the voting power. Um, it has, uh, the, these sources have institutional ownership right around 70%. That is not voting power. That, that is just share ownership. So normal class A common equity. Uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's in, I mean, this one's pretty simple. Once you get down to it, it seems like Wood has the control here. Uh, and that's kind of who you're betting on. It's one of these dual class ones where, you know, the founder ha has all the control. Uh, Brad? Yeah, and I forgot to, oh, no, I did mention the institutional ownership. So never mind. I think I covered everything there. Yeah, yep. All right, I'll hit valuation. Market cap, $58.3 billion. Ticker is R-O-K-U. So just the name. Uh, EV is closer to 56.5 billion, uh, trailing EV to sales of 27.8, trailing EV to gross profit of 54.4, and then trailing EV to operating cash flow of 285. And that one's large, but they're still in a high growth mode. So I, I wouldn't look at that cash flow number while, you know, the evaluation number or metrics are clearly, sorry, the multiples are clearly high on a sales and gross profit ratio, the cash flow, you know, the reinvesting lot, so the business through the income statement. And then just as a note, they have a little over 10 million in RSUs and stock options outstanding compared to the current share count of 132 million. So decent amount of dilution coming down the line that might not happen it's not going to happen immediately. Like we always say, it could happen over the next five years, but just expect further dilution coming. Yeah. And it's, uh, they had, I think, I don't have the number right here in front of me, but I want to say it was around 40 million in stock-based compensation over the last 12 months, which amounts, I'm, uh, I think of like 2% of revenue. Um, I, it's, it's like a double-edged sword because it's almost irresponsible if you have this highly valued currency essentially in your stock and you're not using it well i'd say it's irresponsible if it's high because that means it's overvalued and you're giving people shares but if you're granting stock options at a low multiple i'd say that's good you know it's kind of the opposite yeah and i'll, I'll talk about the uh kind of spend here in a second but earnings as far as that goes uh trailing 12-month revenue was just over $2 billion, up 63% year over year. Uh, that was actually growing faster in the first quarter. I think it was like 70% 70 
something something in the 70s um and then they had 994 million in trailing 12 month gross profit that's growing 86 percent year over year gross margin is at about 49 percent up from 32 percent three years ago so if you've been tracking roku since it's been public obviously hardware revenue used to dominate the income statement and since then platform revenue has really grown that's what's created sort of that boost in gross margin and then they have 198 million million in trailing 12 month operating cash flow and they're putting about 40 million into capex so i think around 158 million in free cash flow that's probably just sort of doing it off the top of my head, seven to 8% free cash flow margins. Um, but they are pouring a ton of money into operating expenses. So I talked about the 40 million in CapEx over the last 12 months, plus they're doing 400 million roughly in research and development. So they're certainly investing heavily. It's obviously, it's the kind of platform that could have high margins if they cut the spending. But at this point, I see no reason why they shouldn't be uh, investing back into the business. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Brad, you want to hit balance sheet? Yep. So balance sheets is pretty darn strong. They have roughly two billion in cash versus one point one billion quarter over quarter, not year over year. They did pocket about nine hundred ninety million from an, an at the market equity offering. So keep that in mind. That's that's why the cash position really jumped. Um, so good, good to know there. They have another half billion in receivables, just 100, billion, 100 million in payables. So now to 400 million there. They have 125 million in goodwill and just 80 million left in intangibles on the balance sheet. So that's really not, I mean, that's that's not too alarming um, in, in terms of, of the size of future potential write downs um, based on all the acquisitions they've been doing. They have essentially zero current debt. Um, so zero current interest expense. They have 628 million in long-term debt and another 300 million in lease liabilities. Uh, they have another. They have another couple hundred million in revolvers. They did draw down seventy million um, of a of an existing revolver at an interest rate of LIBOR plus one point seven five. So and and that and that, those interest rates are pretty typical of, of the debt that they are issuing. So very strong balance sheet, um, strong liquidity. No 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 issues there. Yeah, yeah or, or, uh, I was just gonna say it. I'm I'm honestly a fan of the at the money equity offerings. Um, especially if they're going to go after this sort of content spending war uh, with some of the big players, the Disney's, the Apple TV's, the Netflix's of the world, they need cash to do it. Um, obviously, I don't think it requires that much CapEx as far as uh, garnering ads. That's sort of just a tailwind that they benefit from. Well, um, 400 million in R&D. Yeah, I mean, part of that, uh, that's not all going towards ad spend though, or ad uh, servicing. Yeah, but it's uh, I mean, why not raise the cash if you have the chance? Um, yeah, definitely smart by them. Looks like a good balance sheet to me. Yeah, good balance sheet. Definitely no concerns on that debt. I mean, yeah, no concern on the debt, and it's smart that they're paying the money. But I mean, maybe we'll discuss in the second half. Is that good for uh, the current shareholders? That that's more of a debate. But let's hit the ad break, and then we'll move into the second half of the show. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Next up, we're going to have anecdotal evidence. Pretty easy here. Uh, I think we'll have some. Kick it off with Brad. 
Yeah, our, our stories look pretty similar. <laughs> so undergrad, uh, Roku was cheap. It was convenient. Um, we used it. We, we got it over basic cable. There were some regrets because uh, we, we liked to gamble on live sports, to be totally honest. Um, and, and that wasn't uh, a part of the product. I haven't used Roku in years. So for all I know, they, they could have some live. I don't think they do, but they could have some live sports rights. Um, but yeah, uh, anecdotal evidence, uh, was, was, I enjoyed it, but if they could somehow figure out a way to incorporate live news and sports like Paramount plus is doing, and, and some of these other streaming services, I think that would be a real, uh, a real value creator. Yeah. It seems like the trend is moving in that direction, but it's pretty slow. Oh, yeah. Um, there's kind of some friction or sorry, friction or inertia from getting it over from the cable services. Uh, Ryan, do you have any anecdotal evidence? Yeah. Did, you said you looked at the Roku channel recently? Uh, yeah, that's going to be mine. What uh, uh, Did you see live channels on there? I went, this is what happened. I went to the search bar, searched for a movie. It said it's on the Roku channel. I watched it. Didn't even go to the Roku channel. Um, that's kind of I good think, anecdote. Yeah, that's good, I guess, because I've been a doubter on it. I, I really am like, why would I ever click on this? I got Netflix and HBO. But... I did end up watching a movie there. Uh, I'll say the experience sucked because there was a ton of ads that I hated uh, and I, I'm not going to go there. You would have loved so, it if you were a shareholder. <laughs> I, it was, it, I like Netflix and HBO's models so much better. Yeah. Uh, I it, think go ahead. Just generally. So as a consumer, obviously, uh, I prefer subscription. But I've been a Roku user for about four years now. Um, it's pretty much the go-to college TV since it's kind of one of the low cost providers. And I'd even argue so cheap, yeah. there's a bit of a lock-in uh, on the consumer side for me, at least where the navigation is so intuitive and you get so used to the operating system uh, that when I've gone back, my parents have like a fire stick and navigation is a lot more difficult. It's a little frustrating. It's often messy. I've had a lot of kind of hiccups with the fire stick. Um, I don't even know about Chromecast or Apple TV, but I just prefer the Roku design, which it's probably an operating system I'll stick with yeah. for as long as I watch TV. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that could be the case or is it really just that the TVs are cheap? Like I knew it was cheap. I knew it worked. So in the, you know, like then that was back in college and now when I have my own apartment, I'm like, all right, $200 TV, decent size. Yeah. That's way cheaper than everything else. I'll use that. Uh, that I feel like that's more important, yeah. but either way, the getting... TV itself is more expensive than taking a fire stick though. Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess they're, I mean, they're, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I think having such a basic platform kind of helps. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Especially I'm a doubter. I'm a, maybe I'm a doubter of how much shareholder value that can create. Um, but it's definitely nice. Nice for sure. Uh, future growth opportunities, Brad, what did you have here? So data zoo, I think it's, so actually, I think it's data zoo if it's Xu or something, I'm sorry, but, but that acquisition is very compelling to me and I am biased because I own, Oh, go ahead. And is that, a, that's the demand side platform, right? That's yeah. The they changed the name to one view. Yep. Yep. So yeah. I, I am, I'm biased because trade desk, I mean, it's one of my largest positions. That's the de facto demand side platform right now. So I love the business model. Um, but I love it because the, the unit economics are mouthwatering and, and the growth, is pretty darn consistent. So we're talking about this gross margin kind of going very impressively from 32 to 49%. And I think if they can um, kind of internalize some of this programmatic ad outsourcing, that could be a really, really strong growth tailwind and margin tailwind going forward. 
Yeah, that makes sense. It can definitely help expand margins and it helps them build, well, they, they'll probably never get to the, uh, sorry, the Google level walled garden. It can help them build more of a walled garden, which is very advantageous. So, yeah. I'll get into mine and this isn't necessarily something they control. So I guess it's not like they're pushing the future growth opportunity here, but the OTT media push and the content spend that's going on is a big tailwind for them. Um, and they benefit from it in a lot of ways. So we talked about the ad supported, we talked about the subscription signups, um, but then there's also like, we just saw Apple TV plus is now uh, putting itself uh, on the Roku remote button or whatever. Uh, maybe I'm pushing that, but the, the, the direct to the one click to those, you know, those four, I don't know. Yeah. People know if they have the remote, but it's just a little direct to that channel thing on the remote. Yeah. And so I just, uh, the Roku remote real estate, I think is valuable, especially I forget what the installed base is now. I'm guessing it's it was uh, like 50 million in between 50 and 60 days. Yeah. Um, and it got over touted. I think there was an overreaction in the market when they saw that Apple TV was signing up for it. And I think it's about a dollar per customer for this advertisement. That was according to a 2019 report. Um, the idea here is that they can add multiple buttons. Uh, it's kind of like the home bar for an iPhone, hopefully if the installed base gets large enough and that that's very valuable real estate and hopefully they can have pricing power there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the stock went up 5 billion, which is a bit ridiculous to do that in the news. It's definitely accretive, but if you say like, all right, they have a hundred million, say they get to hundred million accounts, all new remotes. Cause it's not, yeah. it's only new remotes, but a lot of people are not going to get a new remote. So say they have a hundred million accounts, $4 per, I mean, that's $400 million, but, and it's not very recurring. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's nice. <laughs> I don't know. A five billion dollar market cap boost is certainly an overreaction, but I think it's back down five billion today. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's just the market we're in. Uh, I'll hit mine, and this is kind of more we maybe discuss their original strategy, which they've done recently. So they acquired this old house. That's something I know about, but apparently it's the biggest home improvement show out there. I forgot what channel it's on. Uh, they got the rights and I think just the ownership of that for a hundred million dollars, and it's going to go onto the Roku channel. So I bet it's just a way to acquire customers to the Roku channel. Um, it's a part of their original strategies to get demand for advertising there. And they're doing that with that Quibi content they kind of bought um, on the cheap. And yeah. this is nice. It kind of shows what kind of business model they're going for over there. But I think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a step back because I think at first they're like, we're just going to set up the advertising and it's going to be like YouTube. The content will be built for us. But then they're like, Oh shoot. Like, all right. Netflix is ad free. HBO is ad free. Disney plus is ad free. I think I'm pretty sure on that. Disney plus. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And they're like, all right, well there might not, you know, we may have to build the content on ourselves. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Is that, going to hurt their returns on invested capital because I, I, I don't know, they're going to have to spend a lot more than just this How whole house to get, to get the returns here on the asset or do you, Brad, you, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me almost of Fubo, um, w which is really struggling in, in the gross profit margin department because they, they don't really have, um, th this gigantic brand following and they do have to spend money on, on content and live sports rights. So, yeah, uh, I think Roku's in a far better position to do it just because they've had so much more success and they've got cash on the balance sheet. and uh, The installed base is way higher. Yeah, 
but but it, it is a, a a little it's not a red flag but a yellow flag as we as we say sometimes yeah. do you know how these expenses are getting categorized uh, that, i well, can't imagine it's capex because there was only like 40 million in capex yeah so I, it was just an acquisition so it's going to be this is under you know business acquisitions under whatever uh, what is it cash flow from investing activities so i just consider it it's not going to be considered capex uh but i would consider it capex uh because it's under that and then that's where that goodwill is coming from from them uh but yeah i don't know what, what are your thoughts ryan on this is that no I'd, i i think it's probably in their best interest if they get a large enough library of content to do a paid service as opposed to advertising because I think the trend of subscription of everything is here to stay. I think people prefer that. Just it's such a worse experience when everything's bogged down with advertisements. But that's their whole business. That's a lot of their business. Uh, I mean, you don't necessarily know that, but it's a good chunk. I can say that. It's uh, probably not advertising from the Roku channel. No, not yet. Yeah, no, no. no. There will be ad-supported channels that may that stay. So if you talk about ABC, something like that, live sports, I think you can keep advertisements on, but you kind of got to for the breaks. It, uh, uh, I would say I would not, I'm not a viewer of the Roku channel right now and ads are part of the reason why. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll get into highlights and all that's here, but Roku channel is a low life for me. Who knows? Maybe they'll really execute. Uh, but let's get to highlights and all that's Brad. what, What do you have? Uh, highlights would be going back to what Ryan kind of just hit on with, with Apple TV, deciding to, um, add the button to the Roku channel. So that kind of ties into my low light as well. Roku is competing with the richest companies in the world, all, all of the richest companies in the world. Um, competition is, is, is extremely fierce and they have handled it admirably so far. I mean, this reminds me a little bit, I know you guys love Spotify and, and when Apple music was announced. I was one of the people who said, "Oh, that that's Spotify can't compete. A- Apple's way richer, and and they'll they'll just they'll they'll win." But Spotify has completely proved me wrong over the last several years, and Roku is proving me wrong now. So the low light is that competitive landscape, but really so far so good for how they've been able to handle it. Yeah, they've definitely. It's similar of how they had the big tech competitors to Spotify, and they were able to out execute them just because they were focusing on that niche. Uh, but they have competition from other, uh, I think they have competition from other places too. Uh, Ryan, oh, what are your highlights on the list? Highlights for me, uh, I am a big fan of Anthony Wood. I'd put him in my top four or five CEOs in the world right now. Um, and he's a big reason why this industry exists. If you listen to interviews from him uh, in like 2016, 2017, everything he's talked about has kind of come to fruition. He reminds me a lot of a Hastings figure, which is, I guess, unsurprising that they're a little less charismatic than Hastings, maybe, yeah. but smarter, smart, blunt. Uh, but they, they are friends. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then, uh, they have 38% of the smart TVs sold in the U S, uh, as Roku TVs. And then I think they're seeing similar dominance in Canada. Yeah. Um, and they're going Mexico and Brazil now too. So yeah, big international. Yeah. All around owning, I mean, owning that stack and there are probably some scale benefits here as well. Having that massive install base leads obviously to uh, better economics, but the low light then is being the end-to-end provider leads to some concerns over, I don't want to say monopolistic power, but you're going to see pushback on a 20% take rate. I mean, it's kind of like the, the Apple issue, which if you have Roku channel content that you're giving away for free. I guess they're doing advertisements on it, but then you're charging everyone 20%. 
it's a little difficult to get around. Um, and that's going to be far in the future. There's nowhere. And good thing their comp competitors <laughs> are so big that no one will probably care. And I, yeah, it's also the people they're competing with don't really have any room to point fingers about mm-hmm. monopolies. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's a benefit to them. Also, yeah, it, it, as far as concerns over other hardware uh, providers, I, I think those are in the past. Those are definitely in the past. I mean, the big questions you have to ask now, and it's really why they're multiple totally expanded over the last three years. Um, I mean, the big question now is how much advertising spending can they get? You know, with the negotiations with people like Netflix, who has the more leveraging power there, are, I would love a lawsuit to come out just so I can figure out if Netflix gives them any money. That's a huge question I have, and I don't know if we're ever going to know that. Um, but all hit highlights for me. I mean, all around just quality business, market leader, great margins, long runway for growth. Management has a phenomenal track record of making all the right moves at the right time. There's just a ton to like here. Uh, but low lights, I'm worried. And this might just be anecdotal in my head and it might not matter, but I'm just worried about where the ad dollars are flowing and then share dilution. The small low lights, but uh, those are some things I've been concerned about just looking at. Brad? And I think the low light that we're all thinking of is the low light that breaks our low light rule, isn't it? I mean, yeah, multiple expansion that that has happened over the last three years. How how real is that? Um, and so far, so good. But but yeah, I don't want to break the rules, so never mind. Well, we'll get that in probably the bear case, but let's do bull case first, Brad. What are your thoughts of uh, how does Roku's business need to evolve for its for the stock to succeed over the long term? Yep, I think the bull case here is that it can become or it can continue to be not not become the, the Spotify of of this video streaming landscape. Of it, it doesn't really make sense that they can. They, they can significantly underspend Apple and, and have a far more fragile balance sheet and, and far less consumer data. And yet they are comp- they are producing a superior product and, and having zero problems taking market share from, from this $2 trillion company. So it is possible. And if it's possible for anyone, it, it's possible for Spotify and Roku. So, so that, that's the bull case that, that all this competition is more complementary than, than cannibalistic and, and they can really just, continue being a market leader in this field. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Bull case for me is that their control over uh, the eyeballs or aggregating demand uh, leads to them having a lot of negotiating leverage and then different uh, pricing power in different areas. Obviously there's a lot of different avenues for optionality with regards to platform revenue. Um, And then if the cord cutting trend and the content spend on CTV persists, they're going to be beneficiaries of that. Um, that's, that's sort of the bull case, is that everything continues to go well in their favor. And they gain market share. And that this, uh, as far as industry tailwinds, doesn't stop. Yeah, I don't think it will. Um, but I'll, I'll hit my bull case and maybe we'll get more into what you got to be thinking about with the valuation. So. Uh, just kind of getting summing up to the big numbers. I mean, you have to expect ARPU, which now sits, uh, we don't have the numbers promise. It's in between 30 and $40 uh, per user. Uh, that is average revenue per user. Um, I think you have to expect it to at least hit $100 and likely $150, $200 for the current share price to be viable. And, you know, we're, we got a huge boost here to like all time highs. So we're going off of a high multiple here. It might just be a timing what, issue. What's that um, now? 
the ARPU. Yeah. I think it's in between $30 and $40. And I don't think that is impossible because that's over a 12 month period, but it's certainly a big growth from here. So just to go through some numbers, if they get to 100 million active accounts and ARPU gets to $100, that's $10 billion in revenue. Now, the market cap right now is like $58 billion EV. Enterprise value is about $56 billion. Fully diluted, you're probably looking towards 60 and the $60 billion range. If you're expecting good returns over the long term, you got to think, all right, this thing can get to $100 billion market cap, $120 billion market cap, something like that. So off $10 billion in revenue, if they can grow accounts at a pretty strong rate and ARPU can expand rapidly like it has, so I'm not saying it won't, you're at about a 10x revenue multiple. Off of that, how much cash are they going to generate? I don't know. Th those are the numbers you got to put in your head. And you think you got to expect lots and lots of growth from both sides, from total accounts and average revenue per user. Yeah. And if you're, one sec, Brad, if you're a shareholder, it you kind of have to be real with yourself. The bull case isn't what it used to be. I, I mean, it's been a 14 bagger in two and a half years. Uh, and I would argue that it was definitely a fat pitch in 2019 and an obvious one. Um, hey, we everything's both, obvious in hindsight. Well, we, we, all, we all hey, share. Hey, yeah, everything's obvious in hindsight, but yes, I think it was. I, think it was fat. I mean, uh, we, uh, I think you and I both own shares in the $30 range. Yeah. Um, obviously, we sold. So I guess uh, we're kind of the losers here. But uh, the, the, the return, it's not going to be a 14 bagger from here. So obviously, temper your expectations. Yeah, Brad, what uh, would what, you have? Um, what was, oh yeah. Um, on the, on the multiple expansion front, it's important to note that the sales multiple can get cut into, into half. It can get cut in, into thirds and it probably will. And the stock can still do pretty darn well if they get to these ambitious lofty goals that Brett was kind of outlining. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think, what is it like 27 or 28 times sales right now? Yeah, um, yeah. I think getting down to 12 to 10 to 12 times sales is inevitable. And I don't think that's, going to prevent success of, for Roku shareholders if, if this company continues to, to do its thing. And yes. it's saturated, uh, uh, maturity, just 10 to 12 times sales, you got to expect margins, gross front margins and cash flow margin to expand a lot from here. If oh, yeah. that, that's optimistic. Just, yeah. And just like scenario planning here, let's say they reach like a margin profile of an Apple, which is uh, like an operating cash flow or free cash flow margin multiple. Uh, or margins, it would, what, what do they trade at? What's their sales multiple? Yeah. Right. It's, it's very unlikely that this trades at a terminal sales multiple of north of 20. I'd say it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but bear case, we've hit on it a bit, but anything else, Brad, you, you want to add here? I, I would echo impossible that this is above 20 times sales in a decade, which is a very long time. And again, um, doesn't mean this stock isn't going to succeed, but just, just good to, to talk about that, I think. But on the bear case and, and the fact that Roku is shifting aggressively to, to software and ad revenues makes this a little less concerning, but promotions like YouTube just handing out free TVs to make um, or to kind of build their user base there, it just, it, it makes people more aware of how similar some of these products are. And, and Ryan was talking about how the operating system is more intuitive and is more user-friendly than um, some of these are other competitors, but it, it really seems like in the long-term future, 90 plus percent of these revenues are going to be software and, and, and that's just a reality at this point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Ryan, my bear case is, I mean, obviously multiple compression is a part of it, uh, but they are 
they've done international expansion or they've tried to. If that's if it's poorly adopted abroad, that could be a potential low light. Um, Third risk there, yeah. But in Canada and Mexico, they seem to be doing well. Um, and then I guess market crowding in in terms of content spending, I think the hardware stuff is obviously behind us. But uh, let's say the Roku channel investments produce crappy returns. That's a lot of wasted money. Um, so coupling that with some multiple compression, uh, there's uh, you, your rate of return might be a little lower that people are hoping, hoping yeah. for. Yeah, Roku channel stuff it worries me. Uh, as someone that doesn't know the business that well anymore, but it does worry me. Uh, I'll hit some for me. I think the decline in ad supported TV is a bear case. So, not necessarily total ad dollars spend. Um, you know, they reference that $70 billion, it's huge, and they might be able to expand that with the targeting capabilities that they have compared to what people have on cable. But you know, user time, not user, just people's time spent on television is declining as a percent of their entertainment. And if that continues, that is a risk. You know, I, I think the dominant of YouTube advertising, Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, and TikTok video advertising, that is a lot of dollars going there that aren't going to rope you. And it might be less zero sum than I think, but those trends have to be an investor's minds. I kind of like, why i don't know like why are you you have to ask yourself why would i own rope instead of google like i don't or know trade desk <laughs> yeah or trade desk. i mean or facebook or whatever you yeah. have to ask i have this well, that's kind of that's something i would consider as the bear case and i saw i saw jerry capital who i uh tend to think highly of mention something on twitter about this about uh tv viewing hours dropping but if I'm not mistaken, Roku streaming hours per user has continued to grow frequently. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's in a niche. I mean, we're just talking globally. He's right. It is declining as percentage of entertainment spent, uh, time spent. If you kind of get what I mean there. <laughs> you know, it's going to phones. It's going to computers. Maybe, you know, but Oculus might be a left tail risk here. Yeah, uh, that seems a bit far-fetched in my opinion. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying it's a left tail risk. I don't know. It might be tiny. Just All right. More or less interested, Brad. Uh, I, this is tough. So less interested. And I have to follow that up by saying this is my second favorite company in, in the uh, streaming landscape, in the programmatic TV landscape. I just prefer trade desk. And it's because of some of these things we were talking about. It's because trade desk can aggregate all of this programmatic ad demand across podcasts, across video games, across, every single other channel across Oculus, everything. And we don't really know how content is going to be consumed in, in five, 10 years. So in, in terms of a long-term bet, um, the lack of platform bias, the lack of channel bias that, that the trade desk kind of provides is, is something that I prefer. And DataZoo, honestly, is my favorite part of Roku. I know it's not called that anymore, but so just, I really like Roku and I love trade desk. So I'll own the trade desk. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring that up. They mentioned on either a conference call or just one of those investor conference transcripts I was reading last night that one view is not restricted to the Roku platform. So, so that could be, you know, that could help them out as well. I don't know how, how important that is, but Ryan, what are your thoughts? I am less interested, which sucks because it's a business I really like. I really like management, um, but I have a hard time rationalizing the risk reward here. Uh, given at the current price.
Yeah, I, I, I'm on the same boat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, less interested. Pretty easy to sum it up. Valuation is just our multiples just way too high for that risk. Love the business, but uh, there's just there's a lot of risk here. Uh, but it's exciting. It'll it'll be definitely interesting to see how they play out. Even if we don't own it, there's something that it's just a business that's fun to follow. Um, all right, stock for next week, Brad. It is your turn. You were giving us hints before, and I think I have it predicted. But we'll see if we'll see if I'm right here. Yeah, um, it's a company I'm very excited about. It's, it's IPOing in a few weeks. I think it's going to be my newest position, but have a lot more digging to do. It is called Duolingo, and that is going to be our stock for next week. So very excited to cover that. It's a language learning app. Um, they're expanding into English and and math and and proficiency proficiency exams. So um, it'll be fun to dig into for sure. Nice uh, education and Where language. Stuff, yeah. Are they a uh, domestic company? Do you know? Yeah, so they're in the they're in very early innings of expansion into Europe and Asia and Latin America. So uh, that that'll be a good a, a good teaser for uh, for future growth opportunities next week. All right, yeah, should be fun. Uh, excited to talk Duolingo. Um, all right, let's get the disclosures out of the way. Remember, Ryan, or excuse me, all of us are not financial advisors. Um, gosh, I'm forgetting it. What is it? We're not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. There we go. Uh, Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital clients may hold securities and positions discussed on this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.